I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of the faith, to look at the implications of faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Very special welcome to all of you in central Iowa listening on Iowa Catholic Radio. I'm very pleased to have been adopted, brought into the Iowa Catholic Radio family, and glad that you are here along with us on this Saturday morning. Outside the Walls is a program that is based on two ideas that that often seem to be in competition with one another. The first is that we as Christians, we are part of a missional church. We're a church that needs to go outside the walls, focus on the world at large, and, and to really enact that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, the whole of the world on earth as it is in heaven. And so our responsibility as his ambassadors to help bring about his kingdom and the things that we do. But that's balanced with the fact that we need to be connected to our history and grounded in the faith. And so I take that image of St. Paul outside the walls, that beautiful church in Rome that has mosaics of all of the popes there just around the ceiling. And so we, yes, need to go out, but we also need to be grounded. Uh, the show's been going on for some time, and, and so this, while this is our first week there in Iowa, uh, there are many more episodes if you want to catch up with it. Just go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, and all of our episodes are archived there, as will this show be uh, as soon as it's finished airing. So glad to have you here today. Today we are just finishing up the Christmas season. Yes, it's still Christmas. Uh, Today is the traditional date of the Epiphany, but tomorrow is the day that we celebrate Epiphany in the church, in the liturgy. And then Monday is the day we celebrate the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And so our Christmas season goes all the way up until that Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. So our our tree's still up. We're still singing Christmas carols every night at bedtime uh, because we want to get as much of Christmas into us as we can before we hit ordinary time. And then, of course, this year we have, we had a very short Advent, and then we have a very uh, very early Lent this year. Ash Wednesday hits on Valentine's Day. Consider this your warning. Uh, do your your Valentine celebrations early and beat the rush, and uh, and also get to have your candy, and not have Valentine's Day interfere with your Ash Wednesday fast. And then this is a really fun year because uh, Ash Wednesday, of course, is on Valentine's Day, and then Easter is on April Fool's Day, and you can't make this stuff up. But I see this as a real opportunity. Anytime that we have our faith and our uh, our culture colliding, it's an opportunity for us, for the faith to really shine through, for us to be different. Now, different is uncomfortable because it draws attention to ourselves, and different is uncomfortable because different can bring ridicule since we are not conforming, and yet it's only when different appears that Christ can be revealed because Christ is God and God is other, right? And so here we are in our culture and our culture is going along and then everybody goes out and they buy their candy on uh, for Valentine's Day and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I gave up candy. I gave, today's a fast day. I've got ashes on my head while everyone else is putting on makeup. And this is an opportunity for them to see that faith is not just a thing we do on Sunday or when it's convenient, 
But faith is something that really is the center of our lives, and it creates an opportunity for uh, for us to walk in the light of God's grace and for that light to shine forth to the rest of the world through us. In fact, tomorrow's first reading uh, out of the, the book of Isaiah kind of takes this idea and runs with it. And we hear, Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you, the Lord shines, and over you appears his glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your sons come from afar, your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall be radiant at what you see. Your heart shall throb and overflow, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you. The wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba, shall come bearing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. Here in these moments, when you and I let our faith take over and we walk in the light that God has given us, that he shines down upon us, that's been granted us through faith, now the whole world sees that radiance not because of anything we're doing, but because we allow ourselves in submission to reflect the glory that belongs to God. Now people take notice. Maybe they make fun of it. Maybe they give you a hard time. Maybe they ask questions. Why, why do you have ashes on you? I mean, I, I know that people do that, but why would you do it this year? It's Valentine's Day. Is this a statement on Valentine's Day? No, no, no. Valentine is one of ours as well. Saint Valentine. Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, we're afforded the opportunity because we are practicing our faith in a visible, tangible way. We have the opportunity to share the the good news, and we do that by you go. Oh, yeah, I've got this. I've got this ash on my head. It's the beginning of of Lent, and Lent is the time that I, uh, I, and the the rest of the church takes a look at our lives and we see our own fallenness and we see uh, the, the things that uh, we do still day after day that we don't want to do. And we take these 40 days to, uh, to really meditate on our own need for God's grace. And so we receive God's grace in full as we come to, uh, to Good Friday where we remember Christ's sacrifice for us. And then, uh, and then we celebrate all the more uh, in all the good that God has done for us at Easter. And it doesn't have to be a long conversation, but we have this opportunity through sharing our own personal experience uh, of providing someone else with an epiphany. And epiphany, as we celebrate it tomorrow, simply is the revelation of Jesus Christ as himself, that Christ is revealed to us in his fullness. If you're just joining us, my name is Timothy Putnam, and you're listening to Outside the Walls as we talk about Epiphany this week. And traditionally, Epiphany celebrates and meditates on three mysteries through which Christ is revealed. Uh, the, the Magi coming and bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child. Uh, and through those gifts, Christ is revealed because the gold is a gift for a king. 
And the, the frankincense is a gift for a deity that you burn incense before the god. And then the myrrh signifies the mission of Christ coming into the world because myrrh is used to anoint a dead body. And so through these three gifts, there is a revelation of who Jesus is and what his mission is. And then the second mystery that we contemplate is Jesus' baptism, where Jesus is baptized by St. John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and the the skies open up, and a dove, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove, and the voice echoes, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And so Christ is again revealed as himself, uh, now as the Son of God. And then lastly, the last mystery that we focus on during Epiphany is the wedding at Cana, where Jesus performed his first miracle of turning water into wine. And that miracle, first of all, prefigures uh, the wedding feast that we will celebrate at the end of all days eschatologically. Uh, It also prefigures the Eucharist, and it also shows us that God is concerned with those things that are important to us. They have no wine, and, and this would just be Uh, an embarrassment. Uh, And yet Christ was concerned enough for that couple uh, that he turned the water into wine and gave the best wine possible uh, to show that Christ celebrates with us. But while we celebrate those three mysteries, we also understand that Christ is not done revealing himself. All throughout the Gospels, he continues through his actions, through his uh, ministry, through his miracles, to show that he is the Son of God and to show that for which he came, which was to, to redeem us and to reconcile us with God the Father. But even then, Christ is not finished revealing himself. Uh, he revealed himself to Paul, the apostle, uh, as he was knocked off of his horse on the road to Damascus. He appears to us and through us every day in so many ways. And so for us, this epiphany... Uh, the challenge is, and we're going to be talking about this uh, later in the show as we talk with our guest, the challenge is for us first to have an epiphany ourselves, to constantly be seeking the face of Christ that He and, and asking in prayer that he would be revealed to us as himself, that we would have a fuller understanding of who he is. But secondly, that we can help participate, just like that first reading from tomorrow from the book of Isaiah tells us, that we can participate in, as we walk in the light, reflecting that light to others so that they can have their own epiphany, that through our lives, uh, they would come to have some revelation of who Jesus is. Now, we should both be honored by that and terrified by that. We should be honored because Christ has made us ministers of reconciliation. He's included us in his mission to bring salvation to the world. But it should terrify us because it's so easy for us to get in the way. May we live our lives in such a way that Christ can be clearly seen by all around us. May we be clean mirrors that accurately reflect the face of God. Don't go anywhere. We've got a great show for you today as we're talking with Charles Beard. He's a diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Tulsa as we continue our conversation on Epiphany. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And again, I want to welcome all of you who are joining us for the first time in Iowa on the Iowa Catholic Radio. Glad to have you here. Today, we're talking about Epiphany. This is the, the, the feast that we celebrate Christ being revealed, and we celebrate that in a number of different ways. You might think of the, uh, the wise men, but there are uh, a couple of other ways that we celebrate that as well, including uh, the baptism of the Lord, which we'll celebrate on Monday, uh, and, uh, and strangely, interestingly enough, also the wedding at Cana uh, is one of those mysteries that we meditate on during Epiphany, the revelation of Christ. And so I want to look at that a couple of different ways today with our guest. Uh, he is uh, a diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Tulsa, a friend of mine, Charles Beard. Charles, thanks for being on the show today. It's a great to be back, Timothy. Thank you. So I want to talk uh, about a couple of things, but I want to start with, uh, we're in a new year, and and as always, what doesn't change is that the 24-hour news cycle and the, uh, and the social media uh, logarithms are set up in such a way to keep us continually uptight, and yet Christ is the King of peace, uh, and he comes to bring us great peace. So how do we, how do we get out of uh, the stress and really focus in on Christ here in this new year? Well, one thing I've noticed about the 24-hour news cycle that, that perpetuates the, the outrage machine is that it's always global or national news that does so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never something going on in your own neighborhood. Uh, if it is a local issue, it's going to be, let's all point at this person and laugh because they said the wrong thing online at a, at a given time. But for the most part, it's, uh, what has the president tweeted now? What has Congress done now? Can you believe, uh, that this celebrity has said that thing? Uh, these are things that are way outside our own individual abilities to affect. Right. So that reminds me, uh, kind of ironically, of Joseph Ratzinger's book on liturgy uh, called The Spirit of the Liturgy. And he makes two points uh, that liturgy has a cosmic element of God, the creator of the universe. We're here to to worship the divine orderer, Mm -hmm. if you like, uh, of everything. But we're also worshiping someone who broke into history and came to a very particular place in time, mm-hmm. um, probably the most particular place in time. Uh, the Christ child born in Bethlehem came to a, to a small town, uh, grew up in a village that probably only had a few dozen families. You don't get much more particular than that. Right. So Ratzinger said that we have to keep both of those in mind when we're talking about liturgy. And if you're going to have to pick one, Ratzinger's bias is in favor of the particular, um, the historical. That plays out with things like uh, when should we have Easter? So Easter, this is getting a little bit off topic, but bear with me for just a second. So Easter uh, occurs in the Northern Hemisphere in the spring when the day becomes longer than the night. So there's that cosmic element. But it also happened... Because, uh, on the Jewish Passover, so it coincides with the Passover. And occasionally there's this debate of, well, it happens in the spring uh, or moving on towards summer in the Northern Hemisphere. Should we have a different Easter in the Southern Hemisphere to kind of keep that cosmic element going? And Ratzinger says no, because we have to prioritize the particular. 
Mm-hmm. And if we're doing that in our liturgies, we need to also kind of do that, I think, in our news consumptions. Uh, news consumption, gosh, it's not plural. Uh, what we need to do is pay more attention to what's going on immediately outside our own doors, our own neighborhoods, and pay less attention to things that we can't impact at all. So if you're going to get outraged over something political, even if it's something important that affects the gospel, uh, you know, who's getting appointed to the Supreme Court or uh, what, what food stamp program is getting expanded or cut, I'm not saying that those aren't important, but you can't directly impact them in your daily life. And certainly you're not going to impact them by sharing the thing on Facebook. Yeah. What, where you can have a direct and immediate impact is by getting outraged over boring things like neighborhood zoning issues. Uh, Chesterton Chesterton once said uh, that we ought to keep our politics as local as possible so that we can kick our politicians when necessary. And it is often necessary and they're (laughs) easier to kick when they're nearby. Um, So, uh, you know, if, if, if you're outraged over race relations in the country, uh, get involved with an association in your neighborhood that plans peaceful protests for, for, this or that issue. If you're uh, passionate about the pro-life call, pro-life movement, um, don't get worked up about the Supreme Court, but volunteer in your local crisis pregnancy center. That brings you closer to the people who are more immediately impacted by these issues, and that's where you're going to meet Christ in the individual and the particular and historical. Mm-hmm. I saw this um, this photograph or this comic that I'll put up on our social media over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. And it's these two people who are, um, who are kneeling over, looks like the, the, the number 2018 and, uh, but that's the ground and they're over the ground. And this person's just so worried about life. And they're like, what, what's this year going to bring to us? And the person said the, the, the person they were speaking to said, well, it's going to bring flowers. Well, how do you know? He says, because I'm planting flowers. Exactly. And we have to to really, rather than look at that that large cosmic, uh, the world is ending fear, really say, what are the things that I can personally affect? What are the ways that I can personally reflect Christ to the world around me, to my circle of influence, even if that seems like a small world around me? Right. <clears throat> how can I affect change uh, within within myself, within my community, and, and that with the, an idea towards Matthew twenty five of of uh, the corporal works of mercy or the spiritual works of mercy. That right there is where I can make the most difference. If you're just joining us, we're talking today on Outside the Walls with Charles Beard. Uh, Charles, talk to me a little bit about uh, some some of the things that you see as uh, goals for you to reveal Christ in 2018? Oh, that's a, that's a surprisingly tough question because I don't know that we're changing anything. I'm not like going to the gym more, uh, um, or at all, but that's a different, (laughs) that's a different sort of thing. Uh, but I, 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 you know, Gustavo Gutierrez, the, the famous or infamous founder of the liberation theology school, had this great quote. He says, you say you love the poor. 
tell me their names. Hmm. And uh, that's something that, uh, that has stayed with me over the years. And I know that I, I spend a lot of time volunteering with the poor. Uh, if I get outraged over something, it's, it's a, over an issue of poverty. Uh, but I don't do nearly as good a job as I should of uh, getting to know uh, the people that Christ has put in front of me as individuals, as people created in the image and likeness of God. And so um, I'm going to try to do a better job, I think, of asking people their names and just getting to to know their stories and how they got to where they are, whether that is a good or a bad place. Um, and seeing not where I can bring Christ, but where I can see Christ already present there. You know, I, I, I look at this scenario and I, it's easy for us to see the person in poverty uh, whether that person be by the side of the road asking uh, for alms or whether they be, um, you know, in just coming into a, a benevolence ministry or or needing uh, food from a soup kitchen. And it's easy to see them and say, I'm going to solve this problem, uh, this this immediate need, by uh, by giving them some food or by uh, pr- donating some clothes to uh, to a clothing bank or a coat to a to a coat drive. Uh, <clears throat> But but that only solves it's the whole give a give a man a fish or teach a man to fish kind of thing that only solves the immediate problem for today, and it's through relationship because remember ultimately we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. I mean that's that's the term that Paul used for those of us who are in Christ. <clears throat> the only way for us to do that is to be in relationship. It's it's in the relationship and sometimes the uncomfortable relationship that lasting change occurs. That's exactly right. Um, And that's something that we all need to keep in mind because so much of our charity work, at least I should only speak for myself, so much of my charity work is kind of geared towards uh, me feeling good about myself or what a nice guy I am for, you know, working in the soup kitchen or, or whatever it happens to be. It needs to be always other focused in order to, to build that reconciliation that Paul talks about. You know, Mother Teresa would talk about uh, the person coming up to her and say, here comes Jesus in his most distressing disguise. And and so to really train our eyes in a very diffic- difficult way, I think, to, uh, to receive the epiphany that Christ is uh, in the poor. He said so in Matthew 25, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do to me. And And it's one thing to hear that and say, oh, I need to, I need to, to feed, I need to participate in the corporal acts of mercy. But it's another thing to really train our eyes just as we do when we go to Mass and see Christ in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And to train our eyes to see Christ in the poor, to welcome the poor in the same way we would welcome Christ, to, to care for the poor in the same way that we would care for Christ. And to have it become so common for us that like those in Matthew 25, we would, we would say, Lord, when did we do this for you? We, we just did this for everyone else to be able to make it such a habit in our life. We're going to continue this conversation right after this with Charles Beard, diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Tulsa, right here on Outside the Walls. Join our conversation on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about epiphany. Again, I want to welcome all of you in central Iowa who are listening on Iowa Catholic Radio here for the first time. Glad to have you among our ranks. We're talking today with diaconate candidate Charles Beard out of the Diocese of Tulsa, and we're talking about epiphany. In the last segment, we talked about how Christ is revealed to us, how we take extra care uh, to find Christ in unexpected places. But that's only half of Epiphany, because through the Great Commission, you and I now have the responsibility to be revealers of Christ, as well as the receivers of that revelation. Charles, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks, Timothy. So, what I want to talk about now, and this comes up uh, in the reading from church history we're going to do just after this break, I want to talk about the difficulty uh, of revealing Christ. Now, first of all, it's difficult because we like uh, patterns. We like, uh, you know, we, we tend to find the thing that works, and we do that. For instance, if I go to a restaurant that I've been to, I can guarantee you I'm going to order what I ordered last time because I know it works, right? And unless I find something that's, oh, I need to try something new. Uh, most of the time, I'm going to stick with a safe bet, and I think that's partially just human nature. And so we find a lot of times we get stuck in our own cultural identity, whether that be socioeconomic, whether it be educational level, whether it be whatever the case, we end up talking to people who are like ourselves. Uh, and sometimes that means that we're only talking to, uh, to other Catholics. And so how do we go about revealing Christ uh, to the person who is different or unfamiliar or at a different uh, cultural reality? What does that look like to step outside of our own comfort zone, uh, maybe in a small step or maybe in a big step, to go out and to be the, the vessel of epiphany for someone else? I think it's important to keep a couple of things in mind. First and most importantly, we need to remember that faith is a gift from God, and we can't uh, we can't argue our way towards someone else's epiphany, towards someone else's experience of God. If God uses our words to generate faith in another person, that's great, but it's that's God's doing, and uh, and and not our own. That means that I would think that the particular words we use might surprise us. We might find ourselves saying or thinking or doing things that that make us uncomfortable because God needs us to be uncomfortable in order to create that epiphanic moment. Um, You know, Moses talks about how he is slow of speech. He doesn't like public speaking. Uh, yet here he is being the prophetic voice before, before Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, and God made accommodations. He hired, hired, he <laughs> encouraged Aaron to be Moses's spokesman, but it's still Moses in this very uncomfortable position. Uh, you know, I, um, I wonder though, if, if God encouraged it or if God kind of rolled his eyes and allowed it and, and really, how do you, how do you say no to God? You know, the God of the universe comes to you in a burning bush and says, I want you to do this. And, oh, God, you know, I know you're burning that bush, but it's not really burning up. But, you know, I, I really think I'm the wrong guy. You, you made a mistake, God. 
we have found many and manifold ways to say no to God in the burning bush over the years. Mm-hmm. So uh, at least I, at least I have. So, <laughs> um, but God, but God rolls with it, I suppose. Um, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't expect us to go to comfortable places. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, and continuing with this theme of, of Moses, um, he, he knows that we need some sort of baseline sympathy with the people that we're engaging with. That's important to keep in mind in, in, a, in a really polarized culture where it's, it's really easy to think of those that, who disagree with us or who just don't know uh, the, the beauty of the gospel as cultural enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, God picked Moses, who was raised in Pharaoh's court, to go to Pharaoh. Um, yes, that was uncomfortable to Moses. Yes, Moses really didn't want to do it. But he was also the best suited because, you know, he perhaps literally spoke the same language as Pharaoh. Right. Uh, and if you're going to engage someone who is culturally different from you, um, culturally in, in kind of a very broad sense, whether that's someone with a you know huge political difference or a big educational difference or from a different social class, different race, different race, uh, you you have to kind of find something that you have in common that you deeply admire about whatever that culture is um, and use that as your starting point. Never say to someone, you have to reject everything that you have ever known about about your culture, mm-hmm. your political culture, racial culture, economic culture. Um, say this, the gospel is how you build upon what you have already known and how that what you have already known is perfected. Mm-hmm. So... I see a lot of evangelization kind of in quotes as, you know, just how to prove that someone is wrong. And that is not perhaps the most effective way of going about it. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Charles Beard, diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Tulsa. And you, you bring up something that <clears throat> we've got a couple of examples in, in Scripture. One is with Paul, who goes to Athens, and he starts off by saying, I see you were a very religious people. He doesn't start off saying, you're all wrong and you're all pagan and you're going to go to hell and God doesn't love you. No, he starts off saying, you're a very, I see that you're a very religious people. You have, I see this statue to an unknown God. What you worship in, uh, in a mystery, I proclaim to you in truth. And so then he goes on and talks about this unknown God and some people laugh at him and some people are curious and some people say, well, hear more about this. Tell us, tell us more. And then we also have the example of Pentecost where you had devout Jews who were sharing the same religion, but they were from all over, right? They were all over the world. They spoke different languages. And there at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came uh, upon the apostles and those in the upper room, they went out and they were speaking the, the glories of God, giving his praise, but everybody heard them in their own language. And that was, that was the, uh, the astonishing thing that came only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And something that I think that you mentioned as well, Charles, is the need to be open to saying something different than we expect. But in order to be able to do that, to, to, to be able to say something uncomfortable or to put ourselves in an uncomfortable place, we have to be listening and tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in that moment, rather than relying on our program or our intuition 
because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we saw conversions in Antioch, that we saw conversions in Athens, and that we saw conversions, the 3,000 that were added to their number in one day, there at the day of Pentecost. And so this revelation of Christ, uh, as you mentioned, we don't get to take credit for it. And in order for it to take place, we have to be listening and ready to hear and obey what the voice of the Holy Spirit tells us. Yes. That, that you, we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit to say, now is the time to say something, and now is the time to shut up. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, really, that now is the time to shut up, we need to listen to a little bit harder uh, than the other. Yes. Uh, especially when the tendency is to, uh, is, is to react, to tweet, to lash out. Um, we, we, nobody in this culture, perhaps nobody ever, has done a good job of listening to the other. And um, that in itself is a grace. I suppose. How do you practice uh, the virtue of temperance on Twitter? How does that, how does that work? Well, I, I, uh, <laughs> I stay on Twitter. So that, that helps. Uh, <laughs> but what I, I'm a, I'm a Facebook holic, I suppose. Um, and I've tried to give up Facebook during Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just haven't been able to, but what I did do last Lent, and that seemed to help a lot was I didn't say anything. I didn't uh, make the sarcastic comments that I always make. I didn't argue with anybody. I didn't say anything nice. I just, I just watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, since that Easter was it was it last year or two years ago? Um, I have gotten back active on social media, uh, but I don't feel the same urge to type the scathing response that I always have before. Um, so. Maybe if you can't quite give up social media yet, like me, I mean, come on, I work in media. I can't right. just leave off. Um, but if you, if one, one thing that you might consider doing is just watching it, just, just listening to it and not saying anything for a period of time and see where that takes you. Well, that's an interesting idea as well, because the, the more we're able to control our own desire to say something and to, to, stop from saying maybe words that would be unhelpful to the gospel, the the more we're able to put a cap on our own words, the more likely it is we're going to be able to hear the words that God has to say to that person that annoys the heck out of us. Right. And maybe that's too big of a, a place to start to not say anything on social media. But consider doing like a seven-minute delay, kind of like the seven-second delay on live TV, where you you wait for just a little bit. And rather than type your first impulse, uh, wait and see if you think better about it in those seven minutes. And then maybe say a quick prayer and ask the Holy Spirit, how can I best reveal Christ in this situation? And then respond. We've been talking today with Charles Beard, diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Tulsa. Charles, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Timothy. It's always a pleasure to be here. Don't go anywhere. we got much more to talk about just after the break as we approach a reading from Scripture and church history. In the meantime, join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about the Epiphany of the Lord, which we'll celebrate tomorrow in liturgy at Mass. And we've discussed a little bit about how we need to be recipients of the Epiphany, how we need to come to see Christ revealed in places that we wouldn't expect Him, but also not only recipients of the Epiphany, but also purveyors, as it were, of Epiphany, to be able to provide as a vessel uh, for the Holy Spirit to provide the Epiphany to someone else, to so reflect the glory of God in our lives that others are drawn to it, that others see Christ in it and have some revelation of who Jesus is uh, a little bit better because of the way that we live the faith. I want to extend a welcome again to all of you listening in Central Iowa on Iowa Catholic Radio. I'm so pleased to be a part of the lineup out there and, and so pleased to have you as a listener. Why don't you come over to social media and introduce yourself to me? Uh, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Uh, so follow the Twitter page, like the, the Facebook page, and then why don't you share an episode uh, with uh, with your followers. Introduce them to the show as well. Of course, all our episodes are available online at OutsideTheWalls.com. And there on OutsideTheWalls.com, you'll also find a little link that says Patreon Support the Show. And for all those who support the show, not only do you get the archives that, that are available to everyone, but we've got some unbroadcast segments as well. Uh, extra segments with our guests. Today's segment is a beautiful reading from St. Peter Chrysologus on the Epiphany. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and see what level of support you may be interested in. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's reading from Scripture and from Church History. Today's reading from Scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Uh, it's the reading from the baptism of the Lord, and it's one of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture, and I'll tell you a little bit about why when we're finished with it. Thus says the Lord, All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come receive grain and eat. Come without paying and without cost. Drink wine and milk. Why spend your money on what is not bread, your wages for what fails to satisfy? Heed me, and you shall eat well. You shall delight in rich fare. Come to me heedfully. Listen that you may have life. I will renew with you the everlasting covenant, the benefits assured to David. As I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the nations, so you shall summon a nation you knew not, and nations that knew you not shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord for mercy, to our God who is generous and forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. For just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down, and do not return there till they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful, giving seed to the one who sows and bread to the one who eats, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will 
achieving the end for which I sent it. That reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and it's just so packed. There's so much richness here, but I want to focus on on a couple of things. First of all, this was an epiphany to me because I grew up in a Protestant home, and one of the things we did as uh, we woke up each morning was we had Bible time as a family, and we read through the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, once a month, the whole thing once a month. And what I got out of that, there's a lot of richness in those, but uh, as someone who struggled with sin, as we all do, with concupiscence, uh, I heard so much that the wicked do this and the righteous do this and the wicked do this and the righteous do this. And it seemed like really a set pattern. And there was a clear distinction of who was wicked and who was righteous. And it was completely determined by their action. And once you're in that camp, you're in that camp. And so I remember the day that I was reading this. I was reading this passage in Isaiah because, you know, as a good Christian, you're supposed to read. And and I don't even know that I... I don't know that I had this problem until God solved it for me. But here I am reading the book of Isaiah, and I hear, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy. And this was the first time that I really had the epiphany and really understood that through God's grace, there was changing. You could change. Yes, I mean, I'd heard all the time and grew up in the church, and my my father was clergy, and I knew that there was such a thing as repentance. But from the scripture that I had been reading, there was this very strong sense of justice one way or the other. And so here was this thing that, that said to me that I could I really could turn to the Lord. I could forsake my my wicked ways, and I could strive to walk in holiness, and it would make a difference. So this was an epiphany of God's mercy to me. And the second thing I want to mention is uh, that section that says, my word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. We have the responsibility as vessels of God's epiphany to, to proclaim that good news, the mercy and love of God the Father. And we're not responsible for how it's received, right? It, it's not our success or our failure if, uh, if the person receives it or doesn't. It's our responsibility to be the cloud that reigns and, and lets his goodness go out, and then it's up to God for that word to return to him, having accomplished that for which he sent it. Our job is just to be faithful. If you're just joining us, my name is Timothy Putnam, and you're listening to Outside the Walls, and we're talking today about Epiphany. Today's reading from Church History comes from a homily by St. Leo the Great. The loving providence of God determined that in the last days he would aid the world set on its course to destruction. He decreed that all nations should be saved in Christ. A promise had been made to the holy patriarch Abraham in regard to these nations. He was to have a countless progeny, born not from his body, but from the seed of faith. His descendants are therefore compared with the array of the stars the father of all nations, was to hope not in an earthly progeny, but in a progeny from above. Let the full number of nations now take their place in the family of the patriarchs. Let the children of the promise now receive the blessing in the seed of Abraham, the blessing renounced by the children of his flesh. In the persons of the Magi, 
Let all people adore the creator of the universe. Let God be known, not in Judea only, but in the whole world, so that his name may be great in all Israel. Dear friends, now that we have received instruction in this revelation of God's grace, let us celebrate with spiritual joy the day of our first harvesting, of the first calling of the Gentiles. Let us give thanks to the merciful God who has made us worthy, in the words of the Apostle, to share the position of the saints in light, who has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. As Isaiah prophesied, the people of the Gentiles who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who dwelt in the region of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He spoke of them to the Lord. The Gentiles who do not know you will invoke you. And the peoples who knew you not will take refuge in you. This is the day that Abraham saw and rejoiced to see when he knew that the sons born of his faith would be blessed in his seed, that is, in Christ. Believing that he would be the father of the nations, he looked into the future, giving glory to God in full awareness that God is able to do what he has promised. This is the day that David prophesied in the Psalms when he said, All nations that you have brought into being will come and fall down in adoration in your presence, Lord, and glorify your name. Again, the Lord has made known his salvation in the sight of the nations. He has revealed his justice. This came to be fulfilled, as we know, from the time when the star beckoned the three wise men out of their distant country and led them to recognize and adore the King of heaven and earth. The obedience of the star calls us to imitate its humble service, to be servants, as best we can, of the grace that invites all men to find Christ. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Leo the Great on the Epiphany of God. And this is a great way to wrap up today's show because we see both sides of the coin here. First, we are participants in, as Gentiles, in receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have been blessed in Jesus Christ and welcomed into the family of God through his redeeming work on the cross. But also, we're called to that obedience of the star. I love the way that he says that. The obedience of the star calls us to imitate its humble service, to be servants as best we can of the grace that invites all men to find Christ. So I encourage you this week as you go about your week, as you interact with people, whether it be in social media or face-to-face, to to imitate the star as best we can and through the power of the Holy Spirit, reflect the glory of God so that others can be invited to find Christ. That's all the time we have for today. Please visit us over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Visit us on social media, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. Today's show was made possible by Kenton Page Keithley and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.